Well, maybe you're wondering why I'm up here. Last week, Brother Ron got a chance to come up and to share a little bit about the good old days church. This week, we're talking about a different subject, and we're going to be talking about the inward-focused church. Now, if you were here last Sunday night, um, Pastor Wade took us through a little survey to talk about our values, of those things that are important to us. Some people, it was physical activity. Others, it was competition. Others, it was belonging. And so we went through this list. I put several things down. Um, there were about 50 questions, I believe, on there, and you would rank them. You'd take a five was the most important. And so I went through my little list, and I, I put number after number, and thinking, oh, well, that's important, that's important, and I made my list. Well, then Wade came back and said, all right, share your most important. So people shared belonging, competition, physical activity came up. I said, well, that was mine. That was my that was the top of my list. Well, Wade comes around to me and says, Dan, you haven't said anything at all. You've been sitting over there. And so I share, well, number one was physical activity. Well, somebody's already said that one. So what's your number two? Privacy. <laughs> so Wade's response was, and I won't be asking what number three is. <laughs> you know, we're all made a little bit differently. But this church, to a large degree, is made up of introverts. People that kind of fit this category. Let me share this with you. I was looking for a good definition of what an introvert is, and these are good. You prefer spending time alone or with one or two close friends, especially when tired. That describes me. You concentrate best when alone and often give the impression of being quiet, calm, and even mysterious. I don't know if I'm mysterious, but the other part, yes. I do like to close my door to work. Wade knows that. It bothers him, but that's how I work. And then the last one is you feel that you gain energy and strength from being alone. Those describe me to a T. I'm an introvert. And there are many in our church that are introverts. Now, being an introvert isn't a bad thing. It's not at all. Being an introvert can be a positive thing. Um, relationship coach Jordan Gray lists five advantages of being an introvert. A rapport building, able to build a relationship with people that's more than just a surface sort of thing. Have the ability to listen to people. Know when not to talk and be able to listen. Uh, number three, thoughtfulness and caring. Uh, mark someone who's an introvert. Number four, self-reflectiveness and error correction. And then number five is depth versus breadth, meaning that person may be um, have deeper friendships, deeper relationships, deeper things. Now, being an introvert isn't what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about being an inward-focused church. Last week, Brother Ron shared about being the good old days of our church, and then Pastor Wade talked about what that meant for us and what it needs to mean for us. And we want to celebrate the past, how God has worked in the past and done great things. I remember just a few years ago in our Awana ministry, we had a bunch of kids come to Christ. That was an exciting time during our Awana ministry. and That was, that was a neat thing. But the truth is that we can't live there. We celebrate the past, but we can't live there. Well, there are also dangers if we are in, if we're an introvert in a church of introverts. Unfortunately, that can turn to inward thinking and inward focus. Inward thinking, what do I mean by this? It's the idea that it is all about me. And you may think, well, that's not, that's not us. But think about that. We love the people here. They know their love. That's not a bad thing. We care for each other. We look to each other's needs. We look to each other's wants. We think about what's going on within this house, within this building. We care about one another. Being inward thinking isn't all bad, but the problem is that it leads to the reality that outside of these walls, there are people that we're not thinking about. And that's hard for us to understand. It's hard for us to come to grips with. And I think of the three weeks of messages that, that Pastor Wade is sharing about, the Glory Days Church, the Inward Focus Church, and the next we'll be talking about the Preference Driven Church. I think that this one hits us square in the face. Because I find myself thinking, okay, I need to make sure that these people are taken care of, that these people are loved on, that they, as a pastor of this church, that's part of what we do. We love and care about the people here. But God has called us to a greater mission. See, there are lost people all around us. 
I want to tell you about my, well, my dad, uh, my cousin, extended relationship, her husband. Her husband lived here in northwest Arkansas 12 years. And no one told him about Jesus Christ. Now here's the bad part. Go down here to 26th, follow that down, and boom. He lives right down that direction. No one told him about Jesus Christ until we invited him to come to the Mission Church, Haven Baptist Church. And then one day as I was visiting them in their home, I had the opportunity to share Jesus Christ with Sam, and Sam accepted Jesus. One of the most exciting days in his life, in my life, it was, it was just one of those moments you triumph. And you know, if for no other reason that Mission Church existed at that time, at that place, so that he would hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. But here's my point. He's right down there. Are we too busy looking inward? Forgetting about the people that live outside of these walls. Now, see, there is a danger. If we think too much about being inward focused, there's a big word that I, I thought was a really cool word when I was in high school. And you know, you guys know me. I'm a big nerd. All right. You look in my office, you look at the top shelf, there's a whole shelf of Superman stuff. I like comic books. I like science fiction. That's just my cup of tea. And I heard the word xenophobia. I don't know. I, I thought, wow, what is that? You know, I was reading a comic one day. I was like, what is xenophobia? And xenophobia is a fear of. And I thought, ooh, well, the more reality-based concept, it is a fear of those in the out-group, those on the outside. You see, if we think about us all the time, if we think about our needs, our wants, taking care of each other, which we need to love one another. The book of 1 John talks about if we don't love the brethren, then we're not followers of Jesus. So that's not what I'm, I'm not talking about disregarding that. What I'm talking about is when that's all we focus on, that's the problem. That sort of inward thinking, that inward focus, leads us to this idea of that we're afraid of those on the outside. They're the aliens and strangers that we're not ready for, that we don't know what to do with, that we have difficulty with. Now, we take that to the extreme, what has happened? Well, you end up with the Nazi Germany and the Jewish Holocaust. That's what Zeno. Nazi Germans took the Jewish population, put them in camps, and killed them. Am I implying that that's any, any way what we're doing? No. But here's the reality. When we don't look outward, when we become consumed with fear, a fear of those on the out, we are sentencing them to death all around us because we're not telling them about Jesus Christ. Galatians 3.20 says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. God calls us to look outward. To see the people around us that are hurting, that are dying without His Son, Jesus Christ. And if we don't do something, who's going to? I know. We love one another. It's one of the things I love about this church. I know that there are people that care about me. I know that there are people that loved on me when my dad died. And you still show that love and concern when that anniversary rolls around and I throw something on Facebook. You'll chime in. I don't want that to fade. I don't want that love to fade at all, but we've got to share that love with the lost that are around us. That's what God is calling us to do. He's calling us to move from inward focus to outward focus. When we first started looking at doing this sermon series, one of the things that I wanted to do was to let you hear from all of our staff and let you know that uh, this isn't just my ideas and my concerns, but that, that we're all concerned about this. And um, I just didn't expect to be upstaged quite so much. 
Last week, I told Brother Ron he had the best one-liner of the year when he stood up and he said that when he heard that we were preaching on the good old days church, he felt that he needed to come and defend himself. Well, after hearing Dan's description of what a great person an introvert is, I feel I need to stand and defend myself. <laughs> Thank you, Dan, for sharing that. And Yeah, xenophobia is an awesome word. Uh, and you're making my uh, son say, how do you spell that? And so, look it up, son. No big deal. This morning, we are going to be talking about the Inward Focus Church, and to do so, I want us to look at quite possibly one of my favorite passages of Scripture in all, this, all the Bible. And it's precisely because I am that extrovert and that person who is out there and has more confidence than sense sometimes um, that God used this passage of Scripture to really minister to me in a special way as I was uh, developing in my spiritual life. We're only going to look at the first few verses of this, and next week we're going to look at the, the next few verses in this passage in Philippians chapter 2. And so if you have your Bibles, I invite you to look there with me at Philippians chapter 2, and we'll be reading the first four verses. The Bible says, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. This morning, we're going to be looking at a few very simple things. And I'm, I'm thankful that God led me to, to not prepare quite as much because, Dan, that was long introduction, and that was awesome. I mean, that's the length of Dan's normal sermon, isn't it? <laughs> um, but the good news is, is I, I have a shorter amount here. Um, oh, sorry, that may have in, been an invasion of his privacy. But... Um, this morning I want us to look at three, three simple things, and that is the motivation for being outward focused, the method for being outward focused, and then the marks of being inward focused. And, and when we find here in uh, chapter 2 of Philippians, uh, verse 1, we see the motivation for being outward focused. Paul uses something here that for many years I referred to as sarcasm. It's almost as if Paul's being sarcastic. And then, you know, as I often do, I look things up and found out it's really not sarcasm, but it's more irony. Because sarcasm is meant to mock someone or show disrespect, but that's not Paul's goal here. He's trying to use irony uh, in order to make his point. He's trying to, to state the obvious by asking it in the form of a question. He says... Have, have you received any encouragement from belonging to the family of God? Have, have you experienced any comfort from the love of God in your life? Now we see the obvious answer here, don't we? He goes on, he said, Has the Holy Spirit been at work in your life? Have you ever received affection from fellow believers? Has anyone in the family of God ever shown you sympathy? I hope that all of us here today could say a resounding yes. These things are true. Dan shared about how uh, this is a church that loves one another and we feel that love for each other and we know that people care and they, we know that people care if we're hurting and they want to show sympathy toward us. We're one big happy family. But the problem is we're one big happy family. And nobody else can get in. You know, we don't have to look very far to find motivation for focusing on the needs of others. What has God done for us? 
Have we received encouragement from, from our relationship with Christ? Have we experienced comfort as a result of His love? Have we uh, seen the work of the Holy Spirit in our life? Have we received affection from one another? Have we experienced sympathy from one another? We don't have to look far to see why we need to focus on the needs of others. Folks, our motivation for being an outward-focused church is found in the grace and love of God toward us. Amen? Because of His great love for us, because of all that He's done in our lives, we've got to take that message to others also. We don't have to look far to find our motivation for being outward focused. The next few verses go on and they talk about the method for being outward focused. So after he asks these questions or gives us these uh, statements saying, if there is this, if there is this, if there is this, then, what does he say? Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. So what is Paul encouraging these believers to do? I think it's pretty simple. Number one, being conformed to the image of Christ. Folks, that is the purpose of salvation. Yes, it provides us with eternal life and that assurance of eternal life in heaven with God. But the purpose of salvation is so that He can conform us to the image of His Son. God wants us to become more and more like Jesus Christ each and every day. That is the first step to becoming more outwardly focused. Become like Christ. Be like Jesus in His humility and in His selflessness. Now this is where we struggle. We want to say that we become like Christ, but how many of us are still living lives that are self-centered and selfish? And it's all about us and our issues and our feelings and what we want. We start by allowing God to conform us to the image of His Son, but in that process, we must take upon ourselves this concept of doing nothing out of rivalry, doing nothing out of conceit, but being completely humble and seeing others as more significant than ourselves. And then put the needs of others first. Isn't that what Jesus did? He knew that we could not have eternal life because we could not live up to God's standard. So He laid aside everything that was His right. He laid that aside and became obedient unto death. He did for us what we could not do for ourselves. He put our needs first. Folks, if we become an outward-focused church, we will become a church that is a Great Commission church. Tom Rayner, who's the president and CEO of Lifeway, uh, Lifeway uh, Publishing, says this, Tom Rayner suggested that when a church becomes inward-obsessed, it ceases to be a Great Commission church congregation. You see, when we become more inwardly focused, we resemble the picture that I have on the screen and that you have in your notes. When we become focused on us more than on the community around us, we are like this church that's surrounded by razor wire and guarded by a sentry. No one can get in. 
You say, well, that's not how we are. I mean, we, we've got a fence out here, but it sure doesn't have razor wire on it, right? But symbolically, I wonder if, if this is the way people who come and visit might feel. If we want to be outward focused, then we must get serious about the Great Commission. What is that Great Commission? Go. Make disciples. Baptize. And teach. we got to get serious about that. The Great Commission is all about actions. But you know what? Being outward focused is even more than just Actions, it's also a mindset. And that's what we're looking at here in Philippians 2. It's the mindset of Christ. Dr. Steve Drakes writes this. He said, just as an inward focused, just as an inward focus is a sign of self-centeredness in a church, an outward focus, listen to this, an outward focus with the wrong motive can also be such a sign. If our goal in becoming outwardly focused is simply to move our church from decline to growth, then we're still focused on ourselves. Did you hear what he said there? How many of you have heard the statement, us four and no more? You ever heard that? Um, in seminary and Bible colleges and so forth, uh, that, that statement is made in, jokingly uh, referring to churches that have an inward-focused mindset. And that is, we're happy just the way we are. We love each other and we want, we want our fellowship. And folks, the problem is, is that when it becomes us three or us two, then it can't be us two and no more. We finally get motivated to, let's get some more people in there. You know, we sprang forward this morning. Is that the right word? Sprang? Thank you. Um, I don't know if you're right, but we're going to go with it. Uh, <laughs> We sprang forward this morning. We, we went ahead one hour, and everybody had to get up early. Wasn't it a blessing? Yeah, yeah I feel, feel your pain. You know, and I, as I look around the audience, I'm thinking, you know, I don't know who's gone, but we'll figure it out by the Tuesday. Uh, because we look a little thin this morning. You know, not all the pews are, are filled up. In fact, when, when we were about to start, I looked back here in the back right side, and there was nobody there. And I was like, oh man, somebody forgot to set their alarm clocks. But you guys showed up, and I'm glad to see you. But you know what? As you look around, you kind of get used to, you get comfortable with the, the space in between one another, you know? And, and you know, you like it if there's only a few feet until the next person, but you don't like it if there are a few inches to the next person. That's too crowded. But, you, but what if there's 20 feet between you and the next person? You see, that's when we get motivated and we say, wow, there's, we got to start doing something. Where is everyone? We were talking about it this week in staff meeting. I think Dan mentioned uh, that um, anytime the church on a Sunday morning would dip below that 100 mark, it was, it was this wake-up call. That, wow, we got to do something. Where is everyone? It's a wake-up call. You know what? I'm, I'm familiar with churches that used to be about our size or even bigger that last week had 30 people there. What happened? They were, they lost focus on the community. They lost focus on the Great Commission. And now they feel the pressure, they feel the crunch, and they want to do something. But their motivation is still all about 
self. We must have the mindset of Christ. He considered others as more important than himself. He put others' needs before his own. He relinquished all his rights as the God of the universe and humbled himself as a servant to mankind. He even humbled himself to become obedient unto death and that death on a cross. That's the good news that we need to share with others. But folks, evangelistic outreach in a church can still be inward focused if it is motivated by self-preservation. We can't pay the bills. We better go find some more folks to join us. That's harsh. But that's reality in about... uh, 10% of our churches in America today are at that place where the only evangelistic outreach is motivated by self-preservation. Folks, we're not there. But I don't want us to get there. Amen? Paul clearly teaches the motivation for being outward-focused and the method for being outward-focused. We should share Jesus with others because of all that Jesus has done for us. And we must become more like Jesus so we can share His love with others. You know, we talked last week about the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. You remember that? The commandment to love and the commission to go and make disciples. Folks, feel like we got the love thing down pretty well when it focuses on, focuses on us. We've got to get our mindset beyond us and focus on our community. Go and make disciples. Baptize them. Teach them all things. So thirdly, I want us to think about the marks of being inward-focused. We talked about the motivation for being outward-focused. We talked about the method to make that happen. Now let's think about how do we signify what an inward-focused church looks like. One particular person uh, shared this, and he said that we need to pay attention to how we are leveraging the five key resources in our church. And he lists them as these. The five key resources in our church are people, money, time, facilities, and influence. These are the key resources that we have available to us to reach our community for Christ, to carry out the great commission, to carry out the great commandment to love. These are the things that we have available to us. My question to you is, as you think through each of those five, I want you to ask yourselves this question. When it comes to people, we as a church, are we more inward-focused or outward-focused? When it comes to people, When it comes to money, are we more inward-focused or are we more outward-focused? You get the point, right? When it comes to time, when it comes to our facilities, when it comes to our influence in the community, are we more inward-focused or are we more outward-focused? I don't know what your evaluation might be, but I'm going to let it be your own. How are we leveraging these resources for carrying out the Great Commission and the Great Commandment? Well, let's look quickly at ten things, ten warning signs of an inwardly obsessed church. 
or an inwardly focused church. These are uh, published by Tom Rayner in a blog article that I read of his. And um, he says in that blog, in my research of churches and consultation with churches, I have kept a checklist of potential signs that a church might be moving toward inward obsession. No church is perfect. Indeed, most churches will demonstrate one or two of these signs for a season, but the real danger takes place when a church begins to manifest three or more of these warning signs for an extended period of months or even years. So what are these ten warning signs? Well, the first one is worship wars. And you know, I'm thankful that this isn't a, a big deal, but the fact is, is that everyone has a different opinion about what should be involved when we come together as a congregation and worship. What songs should be sung? What order of worship should take place? One or more factions in the church want music the way they want it. And any deviation might be met with anger or, and demands for change. So worship wars. This is a sign of an inward-focused church. The second one, prolonged minutia meetings. Guilty. Amen? Thank you, Dan. The church spends an inordinate amount of time in different meetings. Most of the meetings deal with the most inconsequential items, while the Great Commission and the Great Commandment are rarely topics of discussion. The third thing, a focus on facilities. The church facilities develop iconic status. One of the highest priorities in the church is the protection and preservation of rooms and furniture and other visible parts of the church's building and grounds. Uh, I've even read stories about a church that had a discussion, a very prolonged detailed discussion in a business meeting about the pulpit. And whether the church should get a new pulpit or keep the old pulpit. Now, I don't know if y'all realize this, but when, when I came here, one of the first things I did was to change this pulpit. Nothing against the old pulpit, but I like to stand closer to you, as, as close as I can. And I felt like that, that big pulpit was kind of a wall between us. So we, we switched over to this one. We still have the old one, don't worry. We didn't get rid of it. And sometimes we'll bring it out, you know, and use it for different things. But this church had an argument over the pulpit to the point that they voted as to whether to get a new pulpit or not. And the new pulpit people won, just barely. But they had over a majority, and so they bought a new pulpit. The old pulpit people took their old pulpit and started a new church. <laughs> Two years later, that church, the old pulpit church, died. Eight years later, the new pulpit church died. When we focus on stuff, now don't get me wrong, we've got to make our building look good. We've got to, you know, it's got to be a, a pleasing place, but it's not about, you know, having a plaque on a wall that says this was donated by so-and-so and you can't touch that. Or I've read stories about churches where one room in the church was the special room. Usually it's a bridal parlor or something like that. It's got special furniture. And it's got uh, all the nicest things. And somebody gave that money to make that happen. And then that somebody feels that they have the right to determine how that room is used from that point forward. Folks, that's a focus on facilities, not on community. Moving on. Number four is being program-driven. Being program-driven. 
Now, every church has programs, even if they don't admit it. We have programs here. And when we start doing a ministry a certain way, whether it started as a program or not, it receives, it becomes, takes on programmatic status. The problem is not with programs. The problem develops when the program becomes an end instead of a means to a greater ministry. If the end all is to do the program, then we've lost focus. The end all is to bring people to know Jesus and to grow His kingdom. And whatever program we need to have to make that happen, that's what we need to do. The end all is not the program. We must be kingdom driven, not program driven. Number five is an inward focused budget. An inward focused budget. A disproportionate share of the budget is used to meet the needs and comforts of the members instead of reaching beyond the walls of the church. How much money do we spend on reaching our community? And I want to say, I'm, I'm very pleased with our church and our budget and how much we give to world missions and North American missions and, and local missions. You know, we're giving this year well over $25,000 to those things, not including special emphasis offerings. That's great. But, what about for this block and this local community here on the south side of Rogers? What about northwest Arkansas and reaching our friends and neighbors? You know, it's been said if you... If you show me your, your calendar and your checkbook, I can tell you what your priorities are. Right? If you look at the calendar and the financial report of a church, you can determine our priorities. How much of that is spent on an outward focus? Number six, High demands for pastoral care or inordinate demands. You see, all church members deserve care and concern, especially in times of need and crisis. Problems develop, however, when church members have unreasonable expectations for even minor matters. Some members expect the pastoral staff to visit them regularly just because they're members. This is a sign of an inward-focused church. Number seven, attitudes of entitlement. This issue could be a catch-all for many of the points that are named here. The overarching attitude is one of demanding and having a sense of deserving special treatment. Folks, Jesus laid down His rights and calls us to do the same. Number eight is a greater concern about change than the gospel. Greater concern about change than the gospel. Almost any noticeable changes in the church evoke the ire of many. But those same passions are not evident about participating in the work of the gospel to change lives. Number nine is anger and hostility, and we're almost finished with this list. Anger and hostility, members are consistently angry. They regularly express hostility toward the church staff and other members. And number 10, evangelistic apathy. Very few members share their faith on a regular basis. More are concerned about their own needs rather than the greatest eternal need of the world and the community where they live. Ten signs, ten warning signs that a church is inward focused. And do you remember what Tom Rainer said about these warning signs? 
He said every church is going to exhibit two or three of these for a season. But it's when you exhibit three or more for prolonged periods of time that you can know that there is a potential problem looming up ahead. Where are we? Where does our church stand in regard to these warning signs? Are there three or more of these warning signs that are evident here in our church? Are we an inward-focused church? Folks, people who visit our church will not come back to our church unless they find a connection with someone here. Be a connecting point. People have to feel a connection. And it can't just be with the pastor or the staff. It's got to be with you. I look out here and I, I, I ask my question, and, I, and I'll figure it out uh, this week when we look at the attendance, but I wonder, okay, how many people are here today? As I look, I'm, I'm guessing 120, 125 maybe. I don't know. In the past year, you have any idea how many first-time visitors we have had here at Temple Baptist Church just in the past year. We've got 120 to 130 here this morning, but in the past year we have had 253 people come through those doors for the first time. Two hundred and fifty-three. And actually, Miss Elaine, I think it's 254, but we'll talk about that later. Found one more. 250 plus. Folks, where are they? Where are they? Have you ever heard of a secret shopper? You know what a secret shopper is? person that goes in for the purpose of determining how well an organization, a business, a, a retail facility takes care of their customers. You may not realize this, but I've had secret shoppers come here to our church. So I guess we should take out a couple of those 250, right? Uh, so... But I have. I have had secret shoppers come in. And when they, when they leave, they've, they've given me feedback. This was what was really good. This, is, this was kind of awkward for me. And these are people that are strong, strong Christians that, you know, they're not going to get their feelings hurt. But they, they could look at us objectively and give us feedback. Well, Someone shared with me a story of what happened at one Sunday at a, at a church fellowship. They were visiting here, participating in the church fellowship, stood in line. The people in front of them turned around and said, hello. People behind them leaned forward and said, hello. And there was no conversation and no engagement with those visitors beyond hello. They turned back around and they visited with those they were standing in line with through the entire line to get to the food. That's one story I could share. There are others. 
Folks, this should break our hearts. I know we love each other. You know what? I love seeing you guys. And I know that on Sunday is the time when we get to see each other. And maybe we hadn't seen each other all week long. We want to catch up. I get that. Folks, we'll have all eternity to catch up. The folks that are coming through our doors, we don't know if they have eternity or not to catch up. Just frankly, we need to repent of our self-centeredness. My wife warned me today, don't beat us down, Wade. And so, you know what? This morning, I don't want to leave you with that. I hope you, you soak that in to see really where we are. But I don't want to leave you with the problem without offering a solution. Amen? So what can we do to help us to figure out where we are and what we need to do and where our church needs to go from here? Well, you know what? The first thing that we can do, on the back table, there's a little brochure. I made enough probably for one for every family. At the top of this it says, Transformational Church Project, Taking the T-Cat. These are step-by-step instructions for you to go online on your computer, your mobile device, your uh, tablet, whatever. They all work. And you go in, sign up, register with your username and your password. You put in your demographic information and you take the survey. What's that going to do for us, Brother Wade? That's not reaching the community. No, it's not. But it will help us to know what you think about what's going on here in this place, and that will help us as we move forward in the future. I hope that you will do this. And let me, let me make sure everyone understands this, okay? This is for every person who attends our church. Not just members, but for every person. Now, I will say this, because of the nature of the questions, it needs to be our youth group aging up. So... Our elementary age, this is only for adults, teenagers and adults. But I, I challenge you to do this. You say, well, I don't want to say anything bad about the church, Brother Wade. Well, that's, what, that's part of the problem, is we don't want to face the reality that there are things that we need to change. So, but I don't want you to know that I feel badly about this, Brother Wade. Well, the good news is, I will never know what you say. All I will know is if you have completed your survey, I will not have a clue as to what you said on the survey. I cannot find out. The results are tabulated in Nashville. Take this home with you. Get online. Spend a few minutes and take that survey. But you know, I don't think that's enough. What else can we do? What's a solution for making this happen? Well, this week's been a busy week because we've been looking at a lot of these different things and, and making plans for the future. Did you know that Easter's two weeks from today? It's very early this year. But Easter's two weeks from today. And on Easter Sunday... We're going to start talking about something that's a little more encouraging. Amen? <sighs> We're going to start a sermon series on Easter Sunday called Overcome the Fears That Overwhelm Us. We're going to talk about things like the fear of death and the fear of rejection and the fear of being alone and, and the fear of inadequacy. And folks, these are things that people deal with and struggle with, and they're things that your friends and your neighbors and your family members 
struggle with. And I want to give you the opportunity and the tools that you need to invite those people to be here for Easter Sunday. On the back table are some little business cards like these. On the front of it, it says, Overcome the Fears That Overwhelm Us. It's got a website at the bottom. It says templerogers.org forward slash overcome. I want to challenge you to take as many of these cards as you want and to give them out to people and say, I would love for you to come with me on Easter Sunday to my church. Here's what my pastor is going to be talking about. It has on here some of those things I just shared with you. And on the back, it has all the information that they need. Telephone number, uh, email, web address, address, and a schedule. Now here's the kicker, folks. We bought 500 of these. These will not be any good after the five-week sermon series is over. That means you've got seven weeks to pass these out to everyone you know, and there are 500 of them out there on the back table. Brother Ron, we don't want to waste that money, do we? No, we don't. Will you, will you pledge to take these and to give them to people that are important in your life? Last month, we averaged 135 people on Sunday morning. If every other one of us would bring one person for Easter, we'd have over 200 here in the church. That's not that hard, y'all. Now here's the thing. I don't mind if you bring your Christian friends and Christian family members. Folks, that's not who we're trying to reach. Who do you know that needs to know Jesus? That's what I want to know. Who do you know? Will you commit to reaching out to them in these next two weeks? Folks, we don't want to be guilty of being an inward-focused church. We don't. I know you don't. And I'm not saying that we are as bad as what everybody else may be. I mean, we, we may not be that bad after all, but you know what the fact of the matter is, is we are not carrying out the Great Commission the way we ought. Let's do something about it. Let's change our actions and let's change our mindset and let the love of God compel us to reach our community for Christ. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for this time. And Lord, I just pray that this, this message would be received in the, with the heart that it is given. Father, I just pray that you would help us to become focused on you and focused on what you've called us to do. Lord, help us to focus on the community around us. Reach out and show them the love that you've shown us. Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.